thankful for all that the Lord is doing. Amen. If you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 39. Acts, chapter 2, verse 39. I want to present a question to you that I believe the Lord will help us talk about, learn about today. And this question is... Uh, it's not rhetorical, it has an answer, but it is uh, something worth contemplating, I believe. The question that I have is, does the Lord have different roles or expectations for his chosen people? Does the Lord have different roles or expectations for his chosen people? With the help of the Lord, we'll answer that and see it in Scripture. I'm going to start, though, by mentioning and making sure you understand when we talk about the Lord's chosen people, we have to, especially in the, in the context of Scripture, we have to look at the context of where we're reading, what we're studying, what, what was the time period, what was taking place on God's calendar at that time. Because if you tried to identify God's chosen people at various points in history, that would look a little different. His, everybody say his chosen people. He started with Adam. That was his chosen man because he created him. Then he created Eve, and he had two chosen people, Adam and Eve. And then they continued, they grew, they had families, they fulfilled the command to multiply and replenish the earth. And men and women decided, I don't care about being godly, I care about being me and doing my own thing. And so God said, that's not the way this is supposed to work. I'm going to choose Noah and Noah's family, they are my chosen people for this time. I'm only going to save them. At that point, and with Adam and Eve, yes, he had rules and he had expectations for them. I would not say that Noah was saved in his family because, simply because he followed the rules and expectations and nobody else did. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But then he wiped everybody else off the planet, told Noah and his family, I want this earth to be filled with people again. And then we get down into the time of Abraham, some of the descendants. And he tells Abraham very specifically, I'm going to make of you a great nation, my people, my chosen people. And Abraham has descendants. We call it sometimes we say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Well, we know Jacob, his name was changed to Israel. He had 12 sons, and we call those Israelites, and then all the descendants down. And we can point at that time in history and say, that was God's chosen people. And yes, he gave many specific instructions and rules and set expectations for his chosen people, Israel, at that time. Then we go throughout history, and this is why I wanted you to look at this scripture, because we learn about God through looking at his word in, a, in the past. We learn about him and his expectations, his rules, his thoughts, his plans. But we also get to see, where am I in this? Where is my family in this? My city, my, my country, my nation. 
Where's 2023? How does it apply today? Would you just read this out loud with me? Acts chapter 2, verse 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, I've got to clarify a few things. When it says all there, it does mean all. All that are afar off. That's everyone. Say everyone. It doesn't say all that are afar off exclusively those that the Lord our God shall call. Okay? It's not saying, yes, it's for everybody, but it's actually only for these called. No, even as many means the Lord would call all. So this promise and this this idea, and, and this is still effective today, that the promise is for all, everyone. Now I'm asking the question again, does God have certain rules and expectations for his chosen people? Well, who are his chosen people? If the promise is for everyone, to all, and that he would call all who are his chosen people. In this, in this context, I would say it's those who received the promise. Those who have embraced the promise. Those who have heard the call of God and decided to follow it. My chosen person is the one that will answer me. I'm sending this broadcast to everybody, throwing a wide net, and I'm going to catch as many as I can, and then the ones that will allow themselves to be caught are my chosen people. So I'm telling you who that is before we answer the question. The chosen people, and then... Go back to when he was talking to Abraham about Israel for a moment. He says, I will be like a father to you, and you will be like my children. I will be a God to you. I will be your God. Go to John chapter 1, verse 12. Oh, sorry, stay there for just a second. I'm going to read verse 40. That we read 39, the promises is, is to everyone. Verse 40, this is Peter speaking. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Those are not two separate thoughts. The promise is for everybody. And then also, save yourselves from this untoward generation. This generation is everybody. It's everybody that's alive on this planet that's headed, the toward part talks about direction. This generation is headed untoward, away from the place it should be. So, save yourself from the direction that they're headed. If you're going to receive the promise, if you're going to answer the call of God, then you are no longer a part of the untoward generation headed where they're headed because you have the instruction, save yourself from that. This doesn't mean like salvation, okay? Like, I, I'm going to make sure I make it to heaven. No, it means preserve yourself. Keep yourself. Guard yourself from those that have not received the call, answered the call. Received the promise. This is the beautiful thing about the Lord is. This, this call and this promise. Yes it does eventually have an expiration date. When the Lord decides. I'm going to rapture my people out of, the, out of the world. But as long as they are there. This promise is available to everyone. The call is still going forward. 
and it is for everyone. Everybody say, that means me, and that means everybody else. The call is to everyone. They're all, we all, if we're not guarded and kept and preserved, we are headed the wrong direction, away from the Lord. It's almost like I can picture the Lord with a, with a giant lasso, and he's trying to catch a, a, a wayward cow or horse that's headed the wrong direction. No, you come back here. I saved you. I called you. My promise is not for you to head that direction, but to be with me. And he will do that for every person that would allow him to do that. But if you don't, or if you wiggle out of that lasso, I want to go this way. Well, that's the wayward generation. Now, I, I can then also picture in that, in that visual, he's lassoing every single one, saving us and putting us here. And then he's telling us, I got to catch more, but you stay here. Don't keep going that direction. Don't try to catch back up to the wayward generation, the untoward generation. Save yourself. Keep yourself. Be here. While you're, that's the first, that, that's a spoiler alert to my, my question. Yes, there are certain rules and expectations for his chosen people. First one is stay here. I got you out of that mess. Keep yourself out of that mess. Well, they're still in the mess, so why can't I just go back? Do we really have to have this conversation? Save yourself. Keep yourself. Guard yourself. Preserve yourself. Part of the expectation. I know I mentioned... It's kind of like a curse word here, the R word, rules. Oh, Lord, we shouldn't have any rules. God doesn't, he wouldn't put rules on people. Oh, well, no, but he is our ruler. Oh, I worship him as ruler all day long. I'll write some great worship songs about him being the master. But, I mean, master, don't get a big head or anything. Don't think that you can tell me what to do. That's not the kind of master. I'm, I'm talking about the kind of master that sells albums, makes my songs popular. The kind of master that this wayward generation all can agree with. Uh, no. He I, 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 it can't have it both ways. He can't not give me rules but be my ruler. He can't not set expectation, but also be my Lord, my Savior. Saved from what? John 1, 12. But as many as received him. To them gave he power to become, everybody say become, the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Power to become is a word that I learned in probably about 7th, 8th grade science class. Potential. Anybody else remember potential energy and kinetic energy in, in science class? And the potential energy is, it's like saying, just imagine how far this ball will roll down the hill. Oh, it's the exact right shape. We got the right circumstances here, the right environment. And that ball can roll. That's the potential energy. But it's not rolling right now, is it? No, it's staying there waiting for the push waiting for the nudge, waiting for the environment to change so that the potential energy gets converted to kinetic energy. And it's, it's rolling. This is potential energy. To as many as received him, to them gave he 
power to become. It's not like an automatic transference. Oh, you receive me? You believe my name? Awesome. Congratulations. You win the award. No, you have... Yes, you win the award. It is the ability to become something. I'm talking about God's chosen people. I'm, I'm talking about God's chosen people. I'm choosing all of you and giving all of you the same potential energy. The power to become Romans 6, verse 4. I'm working my way towards the Old Testament, but we're headed the wrong direction in the Scriptures. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore, we, everybody say we, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we, also should walk in newness of life. If you've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that, yes, it washed away your sins, it remitted your sins, and it also serves as a starting point spiritually. It symbolizes death and new life. You should come out of those waters a different person than who went in the waters. Rise and walk in newness of life. You have now the power to become the sons of God. And then, of course, the Apostle Paul, with his wisdom, uses words like, even so... We should walk. We should. We should. Everybody say, I should. I should walk in newness of life. Oh, here we go, talking about the uncomfortable stuff again. The change. The expectation. Why can't I just get baptized have all the old sins washed away, and then be thankful for that. You can, and you should. But what are you going to do next? Go back or go forward? Oldness or newness? That newness, the Scripture talks about it. We have instruction for what? newness of life should look like, should represent, should be. It's not, here's your biggest indication, it's not the old man. If I don't see any difference, if I don't see any change, then I can't really say I'm a new creature. We should walk in newness of life. I want you to go back to the book of Amos. It's not one I read from frequently, I'll tell you that. But the answer to the question is also here in this book. The book of Amos. Amos was a shepherd. He was a shepherd whose shepherding was interrupted by the voice of the Lord. And then he became a prophet by sharing the word that the voice of the Lord told him to share. Let's start in verse, chapter 1, verse 2. No, let's go, sorry, chapter 3. I'm trying to save you some flipping back and forth. Amos chapter 3, verse 4. I'm going to read from a different translation, but hopefully you can follow along with me. Does a lion roar in the forest unless he has found a victim? Does a young lion growl in his den unless he has caught something? 
The sovereign Lord, go down to verse 7. I'm in verse 7. The sovereign Lord never does anything without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. When a lion roars, who can keep from being afraid? I see this as Amos, the prophet, trying to explain to everybody why he's saying what he's saying. I was just a shepherd out in the hillside, and the Lord's voice started speaking to me like a roaring lion. What would you do if the Lord's voice started speaking to you like a roaring lion while you were on your job? And I, I don't mean like a, a nice, small, steady whisper like, oh, I'm here beside you, buddy. You're doing great. No, it's like, go get those people. Go tell them what I have to say. I'm typing an email right now, Lord. Sorry. No, when the voice of the Lord speaks and speaks as such, I have to do what it says to do. When the sovereign Lord speaks, who can keep from proclaiming his message? The King James says, the Lord God hath spoken, who can but prophesy? Now go back to chapter 1. I'm going to... I'm going to try to summarize this and keep you from having to read a whole lot of it right here. But verse, chapter 1, verse 2, Amos says, The Lord roars from Mount Zion. His voice thunders from Jerusalem. The pastures dry up and the grass on Mount Carmel turns brown. How's that for an introduction? To what the Lord has to say. Go ahead, keep reading there. Thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus. Damascus is, is Syria in the old day. And for four, I'm, I'm going to try to make the King James Version make a little more sense. He's saying they keep on doing a transgression. This wicked people, they're not godly. They're not my chosen people. They're an ungodly nation, but they keep acting in ungodly ways. I will not turn away the punishment thereof. The lion's roaring. I'm going to punish the nation of Syria because they don't follow my instruction. I, I know they're not godly people, but they've got a king, and I talk to kings, and I try to give kings instruction. But if they don't want to listen, they do what they do. The Lord lists five different countries in similar fashion right here. Countries or nations to Amos. And he's, he repeats basically the same word to Amos to each one. He calls out the country, the nation. He says they keep disobeying and acting in terrible ways, and I'm going to punish them. Now, let me, let me summarize this for you. This one is Syria. Syria, it says, they treated the people of Gilead with savage cruelty. The next one is Philistia. It says, they carried off a whole nation and sold them as slaves to the people of Edom. The next one is Tyre. They carried off a whole nation into exile and did not keep the treaty of friendship that they made. Then it's Edom. They hunted down their relatives, the Israelites, showed them no mercy. Their anger had no limits, and they never let it die. Amen. In their wars for more territory, I can't even read it. 
You read it yourselves. But they were unmerciful to everyone in the land of Gilead. Moab, this is in chapter 2, verse 1. They dishonored the bones of the king of Edom by burning those bones to ashes. I can, let me, let me recap. These five nations, savage cruelty and violence, enslaving and selling others, dishonoring covenants and accords, anger, rage, and fury that went, that went unchecked, and dishonoring authority and human life. These evil deeds, they're, un, they're not godly countries. We've, we've established that. But these evil deeds can be summed up as not honoring life, especially the lives of others. You think God doesn't care about a murderer committing murder? He most definitely does. You think God doesn't care about reckless endangerment to the extent that I'm not even responsible for my actions and they could take the life of somebody else? He definitely does. See, I think a lot of times we get so worried about trying to justify how bad things happen to good people and we say, well, it's just people being bad, people being ignorant, people being careless, people being mean, as if that justifies it. The Lord is sitting back there saying, I created every life. Now, Abraham, yes, I've got you and your descendants, the Israelites, and they're my chosen people, but that doesn't mean I don't know what goes on in Syria or that I don't know that king and his people. I don't care about them at all. No. I do, and I also care about those that they are committing unspeakable atrocities against. And it's not just the Israelites. You, you step outside of the, the scope of the Israelites in the Old Testament for a minute. Everybody else is going through the same things that the Israelites went through. Nations warring against other nations. Idol worshipers sacrificing lives to them. That's what was going on in the world. And the Lord is saying, I can't just let this go on and on and on, unpunished, unchecked. I've been through this with Noah before. I know where this heads. I can't allow it. And so as he's talking through Amos and he mentions each one of these nations, he says, I'm going to take Syria and I'm going to destroy them this way. I'm going to take Tyre. I'm going to destroy them this way. Go to Philistia. I'm going to destroy. It's all in there, I promise you. And he's specific about how he's going to destroy the nations. Then go to verse 4, chapter 2, verse 4. That's evil committed against other lives. And that's the Lord responding that way. Chapter 2, verse 4. Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of who? Who? Judah. Those are some of my people. I'm not talking about Syria anymore or any of these other ungodly nations. I chose... Israel. If you remember in history, at this time in history, Judah and the nation of Israel have split into two, the, the divided kingdom. But they're still God's people. You're not exempt. I will not turn away the punishment thereof. Because they have... What? Because they enslaved people? Because they were savages in their violence? No. Because they have despised the law of the Lord. 
and have not kept his commandments. And their lies caused them to err, after the which their fathers walked. My, I do have expectations on my people. It, yeah, if you started acting like a barbarian, I'm going to treat you like the barbarians. But if you just ignore my words and my commands that I've given you time and time and time again, to me, I deal with the barbarians the way I deal with them. I'm going to have to deal with you the way I have to deal with you. It says, the people of Judah despised my teachings and have not kept my commands. They've, led astray. They've been led astray by the same false gods that their ancestors served. And then, verse 6. Thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of whom? Who was the last one? Judah. Now, Israel. Amos is just trying to be a shepherd out there doing the shepherd thing. And the voice of the Lord is roaring to him like a lion. This can't go on. Inside of my nation or outside of my nation. We've got to address it. For the transgressions of Israel. They sell people. I'm going to read this, this other translation. They sell into slavery Honest people who cannot pay their debts. They trample down the weak and helpless. And they push the poor out of the way. They profane my holy name. Now, I know what one of those ungodly, two of them actually, ungodly nations, was out there enslaving people. And he mentions here something that kind of sounds like enslaving, but what they're really doing in Israel is they're taking anybody that can't pay a debt and saying, I'll make you pay it by making you a slave. It even says, one of them says, if, it, if he can't repay so much as the price of sandals, I, I can't imagine they cost that much. But the evil, the wicked, had gotten so far into the lives of the Israelites that they're saying, you owe me $5, you can't go home. Imagine that. You're now my slave. The Lord is saying, this is not my people. My people don't act like that. Yeah, Edomites act like that. But my people don't. This is not who I called you to be. Pushing the helpless and the poor and the weak out of the way for your own gain? We don't act like that. I'm asking you the question again. Does God have certain rules and expectations? Or we could even say different rules and expectations for his own chosen people. He does. He does. He never changes. We know this. We sing about it. We, we talk about it frequently. He, he's God that doesn't change. He's constant. He's always the same. That includes expectations from his chosen people. I heard this verse so many times as a, as a young person growing up. I think it's First uh, Peter 4, somewhere in there. You are a chosen generation, royal priesthood, a peculiar people. <laughs> and, and, and that was most often in my days spoken to try and express the value to the young person. And I get it. It's true. He chose you. You're royal that you should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You, mm, you do not show forth his praises by acting like everybody else. 
The Lord better take this off my spirit before youth convention because I'm supposed to speak at a day session there and I don't want to yell at them like this. <laughs> you cannot show forth the praises. First of all, did he really? Did he really call you out of darkness? Well, he kind of turned a little light, you know, a little flickering flame on, and that's about as much light as I really have showing in my life right now. But it's not, I mean, it's not total darkness. I can still read a little bit. I can still see around me. Is that a witness? Uh, am I able to show forth his praises, or am I able to say, well, he convicted me about this one little thing, and I'm trying to uphold that. You are a chosen generation. If I can see it in the scripture that when he chooses a person, he gives them expectation, then I either don't see myself as a part of the chosen generation or I accept myself as a part of the chosen generation with the understanding that he will bring change into my life. That he will bring expectations on me. You can stand with me. I'm going to come to a close here. You have power to become the sons of God. You that have been buried in the waters of baptism have been buried to death. Let me put it to King James. You've been buried unto death. And you have the instruction to save yourself from this untoward generation. Why don't you just close your eyes there for a moment? Why don't you just think about whatever darkness there might have been that the Lord really did call you out of. Think about whatever sin that he did save you from, that he did wash away, that he did cover with his blood. And then what would newness of life look like in comparison to that? What would a change look like in comparison to that? You have called me out of darkness, Lord. Lord, for some of us, you transformed us so much that we're not even recognizable to the person that we were before. That's the miraculous power of your spirit, Lord. That's a representation of of the praises that we get to show forth. I don't talk the same. I don't use the words that I used to use. I don't have the hatred in my heart that used to be there. I don't seek the pleasures of this world the way that I used to. That's a testimony, Lord, of your goodness. That's a testimony of how great you are. After the Lord said all these things to Amos about the other nations and then about Judah and Israel, he tells Amos, the reason why the sin of Israel and Judah is so great is because they were my chosen people. I, I'm not sitting here trying to compare which is worse as far as just forgetting one commandment or going and acting like a savage and being all cruel. That's not the point. The point is, I chose you. I washed you. I sanctified you. 
with my blood. Therefore, when I look at you, I don't want to see any of that other stuff. When I look at them, I expect to see it. I'm surprised when I don't see it, when I look at the ungodly. But when I look at my chosen vessel, my child, and I see things that I know shouldn't be there, I have to respond. I have to react. I would encourage you to go read the last chapter of Amos because he talks about the restoration work that he wants to do. He says that I'm going to bring judgment. I'm going to even take some of these people off the earth. But I, there will be some that remain. And those that remain, I will restore them. I will clean them, wash them. He even says it, I will plant them like a garden. I want you to just find a place to pray if you would. Find a way to express what the Lord's talking to you about. Would you do that? This altar's open. You can turn your seat to an altar. Pray there where you're standing. But if you would, just take some time and talk to the Lord and let Him talk to you. Lord Jesus, I thank You for washing me. I thank You for saving me. I thank You for restoring me, Jesus. Thank You for calling me out of darkness, God. Thank You for putting the light inside of me. Lord, the light that lighteth every man that cometh into this world. That's the work that you would do in me. That's the work, God, that you would do in my life. I'm thankful, Jesus. Lord, I want to walk in your ways. Lord, I want to walk in your statutes and keep your commands. I want to be part, God, of the royal priesthood that you have raised up. I want to be part of the, the servant, God, the servanthood that you are looking for. In the name of Jesus, yes, God, Lord, I accept the work. I accept the work of your blood that's been done for me, that's been shed for me, God. It does cover my sin. It does wash away my sin, remit my sin, Lord, and I'm thankful for it, for you have purchased my salvation you have made me a new creature you have washed me Lord and cleansed me Lord I pray right now that by your grace Lord you would teach me what it means to save myself from this untoward generation God I want to know exactly what that looks like for my life God, I can see the ways of this world. I can see the direction of this world, God. I see all of it that I know is unpleasing to you, God. Teach me, Lord, how to preserve the spirit inside me. Teach me, God, how to keep myself. How to be preserved blameless, Lord. We need your help with this, Jesus. We need your help with this, Lord. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, would you just continue to talk to the Lord? I feel His Spirit is moving here and He wants to help us.
wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, I encourage you, pick up and continue moving forward in the Lord's direction. Come on, whether this is new to you or different to you, or whether it's something you've known for a long time, or even your whole life, the direction is still the same. The instruction is still the same. Walk with the Lord. Follow after the Lord. Keep His command. Keep His statute. Hide His Word in your heart. Get to know the things that He says. Know how He feels. Know what He wants from us. In the name of Jesus. before before we're dismissed I need everybody to to hear what I feel like I have to say I feel like frequently one thing that would keep us from from witnessing to others or sharing or inviting them to church or trying to teach them the word one thing that would prevent us from doing that is if we're not careful we can think to ourselves I know what they should look like way out in the future after God changes them I can see it in my spirit because I know how the Lord works in me and, and others and I'm worried that they're going to feel the pressure of that image so I'm just not going to invite them I'm not going to talk to them about the Lord because I, I, I don't want to scare them away from who God wants them to be that's a lie from the enemy I tell you what he tries and does every single thing he can to keep yours and my mouth shut from sharing the gospel including that It would, it, it, I, I would look at a person, I would say, they've got so much out of order. they got this they need to change and this and this and this and this. So many things are wrong about them. I'm, I'm afraid that if I tried to help them get right, they'd get tired, they'd give up, they'd lose out, they'd do all these things. That is not my role. Hear me, that's not my role. I don't go and make Christians. I don't go and baptize and wash people clean with my blood. No, I get them to the Lord and let Him deal with their issues. The Lord is able to fix all of it. Sometimes in a moment, sometimes over a lifetime, but He would do it His way. I, I feel very strongly to try to share what I'm feeling with you because we get this image in our mind of the church and think, well, it must not be for everybody because it looks like this. It sounds like this. They will have to do this. So I don't think they're ready. Or I don't know if they ever will be. Where were you? Where were you when God called you? Where were you when He spoke to you, when He reached to you?
that's the approach I need to take. Because if I look at myself that way and I know the Lord can work in others the way he's worked in me, it doesn't matter where they're at. It doesn't matter where, hear me, I want to use this term. It doesn't matter where on the spectrum they are because we want to we want to focus our intents and efforts right on these that look like they're just about ready to make that step no it doesn't matter where they are the lord will wash the lord will clean the lord will heal the lord will restore the promise is unto everyone promise is unto everyone. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, for the call that you've placed on these lives. I'm thankful, Lord, for the awesome ways that you are reaching into each one of these lives, God, and the work that you're doing. I pray, Lord, let us share the glorious light of the gospel. Let us share, God, the good news that you can take a life that's messed up and you can fix it. Lord, you can work in it. God, we want to see souls added. We know that it is your will, God, that you would bring people to repentance. In the name of Jesus, I claim it right now, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Amen. You're dismissed. Greet one another. In Jesus' name.